0: chapter three of the mysterious island this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by piotr natter the mysterious island by jules verne translated by stephen w white chapter three five o'clock in the afternoon the lost one the despair of neb search to the northward the island a night of anguish the fog of the morning neb swimming side of the land fording the channel the engineer on the giving way of the net had been swept away by a wave his dog had disappeared at the same time the faithful animal head of its own accord sprang to the rescue of its master forward cried the reporter and all four forgetting weakness and fatigue began their search Poor Neb wept with grief and despair at the thought of having lost all that he loved in the world. Not more than two minutes had passed between the moment that Smith had disappeared and the instant of his companion's landing. They were therefore hopeful of being in time to rescue him. Hunt, hunt for him, cried Neb, yes, Neb, and we will find him replied Spilett, alive, alive, can he swim? demanded Pencroft, oh yes responded Neb, and besides Top is with him. The sailor, looking at the roaring sea, shook his head. It was at a point northward from this shore, and about half a mile from the place where the castaways had landed, that the engineer had disappeared, and if he had come ashore at the nearest point, it was at least that distance from where they were now. It was nearly six o'clock. The fog had risen, and made the night very dark the castaways followed northward along the shore of that land upon which chance had thrown them a land unknown whose geographical situation they could not guess they walked upon a sandy soil mixed with stones seemingly destitute of any kind of vegetation the ground very uneven seemed in certain places to be riddled with small holes making the march very painful from these holes great heavy flying birds rushed forth and were lost in the darkness others more active rose in flocks and fled away like the clouds the sailor thought he recognized gulls and sea-mews whose sharp cries were audible above the raging of the sea from time to time the castaways would stop and call listening for an answering voice from the ocean they thought too that if they were near the place where the engineer had been washed ashore and he had been unable to make any response that at least the barking of the dock top would have been heard but no sound was distinguishable above the roaring of the waves and the thud of the surf then the little party would resume their march searching all the windings of the shore after a walk of twenty minutes the four castaways were suddenly stopped by a foaming line of breakers they found themselves upon the extremity of a sharp point upon which the sea broke with fury. This is a promontory, said a sailor. It will be necessary to turn back, keeping to the right in order to gain the mainland. But if he is there, cried Neb, pointing towards the ocean, whose enormous waves showed white through the gloom. Well, let us call again. And altogether, uniting their voices, uttered a vigorous cry, but without response. They waited for a lull, then tried once more, and again there was no answer. Then the castaways turned back, following the opposite side of the promontory, over ground equally sandy and rocky. However, Pencroff observed that the shore was bolder, that the land rose somewhat, and he thought that it might gradually slope up to the high hill which was dimly visible through the darkness. The birds were less numerous on this shore the sea also seemed less surging and tempestuous and it was noticeable that the agitation of the waves was subsiding they hardly heard the sound of the surf and doubtless this side of the promontory formed a semi-circular bay protected by its sharp point from the long roll of the sea but by following this direction they were walking towards the south which was going away from the place where smith would have landed after a tramp of a mile and a half the shore presented no other curve which would permit of a return towards the north it was evident that this promontory the point of which they had turned must be joined to the mainland the castaways although much fatigued pushed on courageously hoping each moment to find a sudden turn which would take them in the desired direction what then was their disappointment when after having walked nearly two miles they found themselves again arrested by the sea upon a high promontory of slippery rocks we are on an island exclaimed Pencroft, and we have measured it from end to end the words of the sailor were true the castaways had been thrown not upon a continent but upon an island not more than two miles long and of inconsiderable breadth this desert island covered with stones without vegetation desolate refuge of sea-birds did it belong to a more important archipelago they could not tell the party in the balloon when from their basket they saw the land through the clouds had not been able to determine its size but pencroff with the eyes of a sailor accustomed to piercing the gloom thought at the moment that he could distinguish in the west confused masses resembling a high coast but at this time they were unable, on account of the obscurity, to determine to what system, whether simple or complex, their isle belonged. They were unable to get off, as the sea surrounded them, and it was necessary to wait until the next day to search for the engineer, who, alas, had made no cry to signal his presence. "'The silence of Cyrus proves nothing,' said the reporter. "'He may have fainted, or be wounded and unable to reply, but we will not despair.' The reporter then suggested the idea of lighting a fire upon the point of the island, which would serve as a signal for the engineer. But they searched in vain for wood or dry branches. Sand and stone were all they found. One can understand the grief of Neb and his companions, who were strongly attached to their brave comrade. It was too evident that they could not help him now, and that they must wait till day. The engineer had escaped, and was already safe upon the land, or he was lost forever the hours were long and dreadful the cold was intense and the castaways suffered keenly but they did not realize it they did not think of sleep thinking only of their chief hoping wishing to hope they moved back and forth upon this arid island constantly returning to the northern end where they would be closest to the place of the catastrophe they listened they shouted they tried to catch some coal and as a lull would come or the roar of the surf fall with the waves their hallows must have sounded far into the distance once the cry of neb was answered by an echo and herbert made Pencroft notice it saying that proves that there is land not far to the west the sailor nodded he knew his eyes could not deceive him he thought he had seen land and it must be there but this distant echo was the only answer to the cries of neb and the silence about the island remained unbroken meanwhile the sky was clearing slowly towards midnight some stars shone out and had the engineer been there with his companions he would have noticed that these stars did not belong to the northern hemisphere the pole star was not visible in this new horizon the constellations in the zenith were not such as they had been accustomed to see from north america and the southern cross shone resplendent in the heavens the night passed and towards five o'clock in the morning the middle heavens began to brighten though the horizon remained obscure until with the first rays of day a fog rose from the sea so dense that the eye could scarcely penetrate twenty paces into its depth and separated into great heavy moving masses this was unfortunate as the castaways were unable to distinguish anything about them while the gaze of neb and the reporter were directed towards the sea the sailor and herbert searched for the land in the west but they could see nothing never mind said Pencroft. if i do not see the land i feel that it is there just as sure as that we are not in richmond but the fog which was nothing more than a morning mist soon rose a clear sun warmed the upper air its heat penetrating to the surface of the island at half-past six three quarters of an hour after sunrise the mist was nearly gone though still thick overhead it dissolved below and soon all the island appeared as from a cloud then the sea appeared limitless towards the east but bounded on the west by a high and abrupt coast yes the land was there there safety was at least provisionally assured the island and the mainland were separated by a channel half a mile wide through which rushed a strong current into this current one of the party without saying a word or consulting with his companions precipitated himself it was neb he was anxious to be upon that coast and to be pushing forward towards the north no one could keep him back pencroff called to him in vain the reporter prepared to follow, but the sailor ran to him, exclaiming, "'Are you determined to cross this channel?' "'I am,' replied Spilett. "'Well, then, listen to me a moment. Knapp can rescue his master alone. If we throw ourselves into the channel, we are in danger of being carried out to sea by this strong current. Now, if I am not mistaken, it is caused by the ebb. You see the tide is going out. Have patience until low water, and then we may ford it.' "'You are right.' answered the reporter we will keep together as much as possible meantime neb was swimming vigorously in a diagonal direction against the current his black shoulders were seen rising with each stroke he was drawn backward with swiftness but he was gaining towards the other shore it took him more than half an hour to cross the half mile which separated the isle from the mainland and when he reached the other side it was at a place a long distance from the point opposite to that which he had left neb having landed at the base of a high rocky wall clambered quickly up its side and running disappeared behind the point projecting into the sea about the same height as the northern end of the island neb's companions had watched with anxiety his daring attempt and when he was out of sight they fixed their eyes upon that land from which they were going to demand refuge they ate some of the shellfish which they found upon the sand it was a poor meal but then it was better than nothing the opposite coast formed an immense bay terminated to the south by a sharp point bare of all vegetation and having a most forbidding aspect this point at its junction with the shore was abutted by high granite rocks towards the north on the contrary the bay widened with a shore more rounded, extending from the southwest to the northeast, and ending in a narrow cape. Between these two points the distance must have been about eight miles. A half mile from the shore, the island, like an enormous whale, lay upon the sea. Its width could not have been greater than a quarter of a mile. Before the island, the shore began with a sandy beach strewn with black rocks, at this moment beginning to appear above the receding tide beyond this rose like a curtain a perpendicular granite wall at least three hundred feet high and terminated by a rugged edge this extended for about three miles ending abruptly on the right in a smooth face as if cut by the hand of man to the left on the contrary above the promontory this kind of irregular cliff composed of heaped-up rocks and glistening in the light sank and gradually mingled with the rocks of the southern point upon the upper level of the coast not a tree was visible it was a table-land as barren though not as extensive as that around cape town or at the cape of good hope at least so it appeared from the islet to the right however and back of the smooth face of rock some verdure appeared the confused massing of large trees was easily distinguishable extending far as the eye could see this verdure gladdened the sight tired by the rough face of granite Finally, back off and above the plateau, distant towards the southwest about seven miles, shone a white summit, reflecting the sun's rays. It was the snowy cup of some lofty mountain. But the sight of the broken rocks, heaped together on the left, would have proved to a geologist their volcanic origin, as they were incontestably the result of igneous action. Gideon Spilett, pencroff and herbert looked earnestly upon this land where they were to live perhaps for long years upon which if out of the track of ships they might have to die well demanded herbert what do you think of it pencroff well replied the sailor there's good and bad in it as with everything else but we shall soon see for look what i told you in three hours we can cross and once over there we will see what we can do towards finding mr smith Pencroft was not wrong in his predictions three hours later at low tide the greater part of the sandy bed of the channel was bare. a narrow strip of water easily crossed was all that separated the island from the shore and at ten o'clock spilett and his two companions stripped of their clothing which they carried in packages on their heads waded through the water which was nowhere more than five feet deep herbert where the water was too deep swam like a fish acquitting himself well and all arrived without difficulty at the other shore there having dried themselves in the sun they put on their clothes which had not touched the water and took counsel together End of chapter three